And if you blame it on the holy rollers, but you've seen dead men walking, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe, that is Dan, and we are talking about Sleeping Giant. Sleeping Giant, man. It's about to get heavy in this studio. It's about to get very righteously heavy. <laughs> I mean, there's no other word for it, right? Righteous heavy metal? We often complain about bands that only talk about one thing or only do one thing, but tonight we're going to praise it, and I think praise is the uh, is the theme of this episode. Sleeping Giant is probably the best or worst Christian heavy metal band that people that look for that sort of thing have not heard. Well, and I think this is just straight hardcore. It's tough guy hardcore. Tough guy uh, hardcore. That's my favorite sentence to describe this band. It really is. And it's not that they're like tough like they're going to beat your ass. It's more like we're going to drop a truth bomb on you that is going to completely change the way you look at the world. And that could be met with mixed results. I think that if you were a religious person, this is going to be like porn for you. And if you're not a religious person, it's going to be like rubbing icy hot on your genitals. I think it's going to be that divisive. Well, before we start talking about how divisive things are, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Tune in radio, so if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion, and the reason we like them is because they make us feel fantastic about ourselves and about the world around us. But another reason is is that highly rated podcasts are recommended to friends and family or associates of people that already listen to our podcast. So if you give us high ratings, we're going to show up in search results better, and we're going to get recommended to people that don't know about us, even though you know about us. So don't keep that secret. Rate, review, subscribe. It helps. It really, really helps us out. We got a comment from KillBenny89 on episode 37, Deadsy. It's a Deadsy podcast perfection i agree wholeheartedly not about the podcast but about deadsy i mean well it's, it's not great. an official deadsy <laughs> podcast although we do like deadsy quite a bit on discography discussion and we did talk about deadsy for an entire hour we did and it was fantastic and glorious ac tweeted at us concerning our agony scene episode from last week number 78 i thought you guys were going to shit all over the darkest red due to it being the only album to having a good deal of clean vocals. For me, that album is the perfect ratio of clean and screaming for a metal album. Also, cold hating? Like, I don't get that enough from Roach Coach. I feel like there is not enough hate in this life for cold, but we do our best. I don't hate cold. It's just not very good. And it's one of the bands, if you look back on it, you really start to notice the shortcomings. I like that song, Just Got Wicked. But do you really? I mean, I don't listen to it every day, but... I mean, I like Go Away, but it's a not for cool, the reason that you think. It's a pretty cool <laughs> song, I guess. But, uh, yeah, no, we appreciate that tweet, AC. Uh, and we will try 
not to upset the cold army more than we have to. That's that's my happy compromise. I want to give a shout out real quick to Jonathan Beatty. He was catching up on podcasts this week and he was listening to discography discussion, just like we are listening to John's entitled podcast. I have to listen every week and participate. It's nice. <laughs> he has a very sexy co-host on there right now by the name of Dan Terry. So uh, you, if you guys haven't checked out John's Untitled Podcast and you can't get enough of this voice, check it out. So, Dan, tell me about Sleeping Giant. Well, the first time I heard Sleeping Giant was probably back in 2007. I have a good buddy of mine named Tom. You know, we kind of spent a lot of our youth together checking out new bands uh, along with uh, my friend Buddy, who you guys all know. We kind of grew up together checking out heavy bands and always trying to one-up each other on who could show the coolest bands. And we happened to be, in 2007, all in the car. I think it was me, Joe, Tom. That was it. We were on our way to Nashville. We were on our way to Nashville to see Between the Buried and Me record their Colors Live DVD. That was such a good show. It was good. If you look hard enough in the DVD, you can see Joe in the pit for every song. There is a specific scene. I'm sorry. There is a specific camera cut that happened right when my body went past the camera. I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah, so if you want to see that bod, there you go. 2007 bod. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the drive to Nashville, which we uh, have recently undertaken, uh, is... Nashville Rock and Pod 2018. Yes, yes, yes. And so we were listening to a lot of albums. Now, in 2007, we were really, really erect for Deathcore. Like, it was the style of music that we loved. We would check out any Deathcore releases that we could get our hands on. So we listened to a shit ton of Deathcore on that drive. But the interesting part about it is that my buddy Tom had picked up this record called Dread Champions of the Last Days by a band called Sleeping Giant, which was a band we'd never heard of before. We'd heard one song on uh, MySpace, and it was called Blame It on the Holy Rollers. And I would come to find out later that it was featuring the vocalist from Impending Doom, Mr. Brooke Reeves. Which gave a very false sense of guttural death inhaled vocals, which I don't even like, really. Right. They're comical, but he's not saying anything. Right. Well, like, Tom bought it based on the fact that that song had a deathcore vocalist on it. And we just assumed that that's what the band sounded like. So we popped the CD in. And the first thing we hear is like basically what's considered the intro track to the album called The Army of One. And it's this dude yelling all this like really religious shit about like the end of the world and uh, a great deal about, you know, people being bound, gagged and shot on our TVs. And it's just really intense and really in your face. And then there comes a break in that song where he's all like the banner is lifted and watch the nations adore him. Though the vision is distorted, you can't quite remember the, the new, new world, world order. order. And then this huge bass line, like very new metal sounding bass line and riff, this drop happens and they just groove out for, you know, the last minute of the song. And we're like, I have no idea what to expect now. We were looking for bands like Between the Buried and Me. We were listening to technical death metal it was a time when we were listening to bands that had a little bit more instrumentation versus just being heavy always the exception is zeo 
it's also a time when people were listening to quote Christian unquote metal bands. They weren't looking for what's the word? Not complexity or simplicity, but basically it was skillet or death, right? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, Project eighty six back in the day, Zayd. People were still holding on to that. So, listening to Between the Buried and Me and Zayo, bands like Classic Project eighty six, Living Sacrifice, Soul Embraced, we weren't expecting a band like Sleeping Giant, which is straight ahead heavy. It's not about the riff as much as the riffs are memorable on purpose. It's like they are intentionally doing exactly what they need to do to make you remember their message. You remember the lyrics, you remember the song, you remember the beat, you remember how they all flow together. And believe me, they flow together. Most of this album is just droning on open B flat or A flat, whatever it's in. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge callback to the spirit filled hardcore from back in the day. You know, like early in the early 90s, early to late 90s, basically all throughout the 90s, there were bands in the Christian hardcore scene, like focused and unashamed, and even the early Zayo stuff, you could say, was that. And, um, you know, those bands kind of gave birth to a newer wave of bands like No Innocent Victim, Seventh Star, you know, bands like that. And so I kind of felt like this was kind of a continuation of that style. And so it was a style that I was definitely familiar with at the time, but wasn't expecting. Like, I didn't think anybody was really doing this anymore. Like, the only band that I think comes close is, like, A Plea for Purging. And not even them. Right. They, But they, they had a more techie, you know, gent-type sound to, to what they were doing. So I kind of put them in a different category, but... Sleeping Giant, I just wasn't expecting because it was so simple and so punky and so like, but like just balls out heavy. And it was like the polar opposite of what we were actually looking for when we were checking out all these deathcore bands, because checking out deathcore in the mid 2000s was kind of a gamble. Like you had shit that was like really complicated. And then you had shit that was like really basic and like really annoying, like all open note breakdowns. And Sleeping Giant is guilty of that, of being, like, really basic, like, musically. The way the vocals were delivered was very different than what I was used to with this type of music. Because typically bands that played, like, spirit-filled hardcore, like, really straight-ahead stuff, delivered in just a straight scream or a growl, something like this. And I wouldn't say that Tommy Green, the vocalist of Sleeping Giant, is rapping necessarily. He's not rapping, but he rhythmically delivers. And I mean that in the truest sense of the word. I think our original review was this would be new metal if the vocals were different because of the way the songs had a groove, the way the riffs were simple, loud, and hit you in the face. I think the music is more new metal. Well, it's hard to say. Like the it's vocals, not exactly I think, new metal. The vocals are new metal influence compared to Alathian between the Buried and Me style bands we were listening to at the time. This was just straight heavy. Right. Well, I don't. I don't consider the music necessarily to be new metal. What I was trying to say earlier was that the vocals 
have more of a new metal tinge and maybe the bass does a little bit too like it's very grindy and very organic sounding and when we were listening to tech metal bands back in the day like we were used to technical records sounding increasingly more sterile and this was like the polar opposite of that like fundamentally it was different I've seen a couple rundowns with the guitarists and how their rigs are set up, and even the bass player. It's as loud as it can get. They have the sonic maximizer that was a thing for a few years and probably still is for some bands that just takes whatever you give it and makes it dynamically as loud as it can. It's horrendous for vocals, but it's commonly used for guitars to bring out all the notes. Knowing that this band did the... Dimebag Daryl or Eddie Van Halen strategy of turn it up as loud as it can go and then deliver somehow makes this music cut through to your brain and it's on every album there is at least one song that is basically a sermon piece everything leading up to the last couple tracks on this record and I know it's all the message, but that's how it's presented. This is the show. This is what the set would sound like. But then you get to these last two songs that are very simple, that are just a repeated feel. They're more about chant is the wrong word, but they're about just, oh, praise him. He will reign. And I thought about it trying to understand why this impacted and the best I can come up with is the way the guitars and the bass are just loud, low, and heavy. It's almost like foot pedals on an organ. Well, I think the most interesting thing about this record for me was the vocals. It's like we've talked about. The music isn't like all that interesting. It's good. It's catchy. It keeps your attention. But what I, I find interesting is like you don't really have a lot of spirit-filled hardcore bands that are going for the clean vocal route. And he does it a couple of different ways. Like, he has the hardcore scream down. Like, there's no doubt about that. But then, like, you get to Whoremonger. Because, I mean, you on this record, the first three tracks are more or less straight-ahead hardcore music, like you would expect. But then you get to Whoremonger, and the majority of those vocals on that song are rhythmically delivered of him just shouting in kind of a clean type voice and not only that but he's actually singing over it as well and this is whenever you start realizing that like Tommy Green is actually a really good singer you know more specifically for this type of music and it's surprising and it really catches you off guard the way all the vocals kind of mesh together because you have the verses are essentially you know they're wrapped they're not really wrapped they're just delivered in a way where he's shouting in time with the music he's not really rhyming or anything no it's just straight ahead hardcore yeah but then the but then the the growls the screams come in you know to accent the choruses and then you've got this clean melody going behind it and all of this kind of climaxes <laughs> climax <laughs> and a extremely heavy breakdown where everything you know the band just comes in guns blazing on that breakdown and that's the closest thing to complexity that I can see on here is that they are all about creating that mood. And Horrormonger really does that. And then they just beat you in the fucking face with Behold the Pale Horse after that. But what's interesting about the A side of this album, so the A side of this record is like all heavy, all the way up until Blame It on the Holy Rollers. You're basically looking at 
you know, really heavy, straight ahead, hardcore songs. But then it gets a little interesting once you get into songs like Sleeping Giant, King of Kings, Oh Praise Him, This Is The Word. The, the second half of this album is more of like a worship type deal. It's almost like they ran the kids out in the playground until they got tired. And now they're like, all right, now here's the reason. They use the first half of the record to just throw you off your game. It's not a deception. It's not here is a feeling or a mood or an atmosphere that you're used to. Okay, now that we've got you, let's calm down a little bit and talk about some serious stuff. Right, as if they hadn't been talking about super serious stuff too. I mean, there's there's no sugarcoating it. This is a straight-up Christian hardcore album. If that's your deciding factor on whether you're going to check a band out or not, um, that that's what it is. It is a straight Christian hardcore record with praise songs and you know everything you would expect from that worldview. They're but not stale, though. They're not it's annoying. Not. And when I say annoying, I mean the really cheesy stuff that Skillet does. I like Skillet. They have their place, they have their days, they have their times. But there's some really cheesy stuff that I'm like, why? Okay, I got it. Cool, guys. But then this doesn't get stale, and I don't know why. Because it's done earnestly. It's presented as very real and very passionate. And that's the kind of thing that people really latch on to. You know, Sleeping Giant is not a band that is out to give you cheesy Christian cliches on how they think the world is or you know they're not really necessarily playing music for christians i would argue that it would be hard for somebody that doesn't already have that worldview to really enjoy the band as a whole correct however i think there's a certain place for their ministry or whatever they want to call it but i think you can appreciate as a heavy music fan the earnestness and the determination that they have this message that they just want to get out to the world and they do it with all of their passion and they put everything into it. And that's my favorite part about this record is it's very sincere and it is what it is. It is unapologetically what it is. And that makes Dread Champions really one of the best albums to come out of the 2000s because it's very real. There's nothing quantized on this record. This is a this is a legitimate performance. It was intentionally a performance. They basically mic'd it up and did the best they could. Very similar to another band that you're a fan of. I'm not going to say which one. <laughs> well, Norma yeah, Jean. yeah. So <laughs> this uh, this record was really sincere, and we were really just kind of shocked by it and didn't really know how to feel. I mean, I definitely dug the tunes. And some of the songs are really earworms. Uh, I'll definitely throw out like uh, Whoremonger is one, Dynasty, Blame It on the Holy Rollers, No Sleep for My Eyes. The song Sleeping Giant is amazing. Like it is a long, dirgy, like almost doomy type song with a really cool, like upbeat, like punk section in the center of it. And it's just really well done for what it is and if you were a fan of spirit filled hardcore back in the day this record is like your new gospel it is amazing did we see them live with only this album or was it after kingdom days we saw them after uh sons of thunder came out that's right because we took patrick we were like dude you gotta go which is the next you gotta see this band 
which is, I don't remember if Patrick was there or not, but uh, oh yeah, he was chanting was, with us. There was uh, Sons of Thunder, which came out two years later. So I mean, I think at this point we were like, dude, Sleeping Giants, pretty cool, pretty legit band, you know. And we were really interested to hear what they were going to do next. So they announced this new album called Sons of Thunder, and uh, we were uh, all ears. The record starts off with a song called Gang Signs. And one of the things that I noticed about it right away is everything sounds a little bit less intense. Not the performance. The band sounds like they're playing their heart out, just like they always have. However, the production quality on this song leaves a little bit to be desired. Agreed. It doesn't punch the way that it should punch. It's 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 a band that's really good that's being held back by the studio that they're in. Or how it was mixed. It grows on you after a while. You start to realize that the album is heavy. It's just heavy a little different than what would come later. They corrected this issue very fast. Kingdom Days was guttural again if if guitars and bass can be guttural that was my initial thought when i heard gang signs and sons of thunder it sounds thin i'm also comparing it to dread champions which was a really big sounding record big very raw and it was a little disheartening it kind of worried me if you would like another analog think of the way Zeo sounded on Liberate and then listen to Parade of Chaos with no reference point. Between the two, they sound kind of thin. And that might have been an issue of the times. I've talked about that before. This was the 2000s, 2009. We were finally figuring out how to mix these albums digitally. I think it's just whoever mixed this record, this was the best they could do. And overall album's great it's just really hard to go back to it when you have the other albums that have the sound and the feel of sleeping giant i don't know what changed or what was missed but it's just doesn't sound the same well yeah it sounds really thin but that's not to discount the actual material that's on the record no because the songs are great and i definitely hear growth here in the band because We talked a lot about how this was essentially like this band was very simple and very straight ahead. Nine songs down from 16. Right. And whenever I hear, you know, this album, I think they cut a lot of the filler out of it and made more concise songs. So like songs like Gang Signs are awesome. Uh, No One Leaves This Room Sick, Descending Into Hell. And, uh, you know, Confession, they were they were great. And they were heavy. They were in your face. Again, the thinness of the production kind of takes away from the heaviness for me. But I noticed that these songs were overall more complex. Sons of Thunder has a build. I've seen has a very melodic build. It opens up with a chorus of Tommy Green over what would become the Sleeping Giant staple of a droning guitar or bass or both. And then, of course, we have the closer, He Will Rain, which is a very pretty piano piece. They're unapologetically trying to preach to you. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. And it's almost interesting to think 
what was the conversation like okay i want to put this piano song at the end dude we can't do that everybody does that we're gonna get crucified right but that's what we're trying to do right we're trying to give people the message yeah but not get crucified <laughs> well uh maybe they were uh you know these guys are maniacs as far as the evangelism goes live show i mean and i don't want to jump ahead but man their live shows they control the audience Absolutely. Not like stand there and watch me play, put away your cell phone. No, they make you want to put your cell phone away if you're not there for what they're doing. You know, it was kind of a slow build, which, I mean, they had had a slow build before that on Dread Champions with Sleeping Giant and like, oh, praise him and all that. But this was where they were kind of making Tommy's vocals the center point of the band's sound. And so that song as a single, I mean, I don't know if a six and a half minute song can really be called a single, <laughs> but uh, but it really worked in that regard, you know. And it made me it made me definitely like be interested in what the band could do, like what directions they could go in after that. But I still was disappointed with the overall sound quality of the record. I was concerned the first time I heard it, but what was my reference point? Dread Champions of the Final Days. The guitars were thinned out. Over time, the album will grow on you. You will hear that the songs are still heavy. It's just the production, and I don't know whose fault it is, if it's the record label or if it's the person who recorded the band doing the best he could, or if somebody put them just in the wrong situation to make a Sleeping Giant record. But all of my concerns were alleviated with the next record, Kingdom Days in an Evil Age. Oh man, this one was killer. We're back to punching the listener in the face with our heaviness. Punching them in the face with Jesus. It's everything from a production standpoint that we had on Dread Champion, and then the sound quality improvements, the production improvements of Sons of Thunder. Put them together. The album's heavy again. It's intense. Just like the last record, Tommy's vocals are the center of this presentation. There's multiple layers. There's multiple layers of backing vocals. They're not all him. I think a few of them are actually the bass player. Yeah, yeah, and this record was Dread Champions with a bigger budget. Did you notice Tommy's vocals being a different type of intense? I don't know if he just changed the way he screamed or if he was starting to really find his true voice. It just didn't sound the same. Well, he's screaming harder, and I don't know if it, it's the production quality that makes it seem that way, but everything seems so much more crisp, so much more concise, and that's what I loved about it is that it just really had a punch to it that Sons of Thunder didn't really have. That record was, like, super, like, just super clean and polished sounding and this they've kind of made an active effort for it to not be that way if that makes sense they're trying to invoke the sound that they established on Dread Champions and I think overall they succeeded in that it's everything we've had up to this point only done a little bit better right the only thing about it though that's a little bit weird Again, I can't get past this dichotomy of if you're not already a Christian, it can be kind of hard to appreciate what this band has on display. Because as a hardcore fan, you've got some killer tracks on here. Like The Cross of Suicide, Eyes Wide Open, Tongues of Fire, Morning Star. Like those songs are 
just killer. If you're not into Jesus, I think it's going to be hard for you to have a reference point for what the band's talking about. They're not cheesy. They're 100% earnest in what they're doing. They're passionate about it, and that passion really carries the songs. But, you know, as being the ex-lead singer of a Christian hardcore band, I definitely noticed in my experience doing ministry-based hardcore or metal that yeah, there's a certain disconnect between you know people that are really into your music like you have to decide like am i making music that's for people that are already christians or am i making music that is for everyone and i think sleeping giant is trying to be ministry oriented and to reach out to people that aren't into christianity but i do think sometimes the lyrical concepts make that a really hard thing to do I feel like they succeed in places where other bands, specifically Skillet, fail. They are ministry-based, but they kind of say the same message as many ways as they can come up with. The idea being to appeal to everyone a little bit because they're trying to catch you with the song style, not the actual message, where Sleeping Giant is at 100%. They're trying to give you everything all at once exactly the way they want to give it to you they want you to receive it it's almost like they have multiple things to say about the same subject being jesus whereas other bands just have one thing to say jesus and that's why other bands will start to fall away from the message because they get bored or they just run out of things to say so why does sleeping giant not run out of things to say well and i think it's because they deliver it in a pretty concise package you know, it's very straight ahead, very straight to the point. And I would say out of a lot of the ministry-based bands that are out there, Sleeping Giant's probably the best in delivering a message that people are going to really attach themselves to. And again, I think if you're a, just a general hardcore fan, you might be into this, but you might have some reservation about the lyrics, especially since the lyrics have always been intense. They've always been visceral, you know. And that adds to the appeal. However, there are songs on this record that are going to make you wonder, like, are these guys nuts? <laughs> you know, a perfect example is the song The Cross is Suicide, where, and I, I believe I'm talking about the right song, where he says that, like, we're terrorists. Like, that's almost crosses a line for some people. Like, I get where he's coming from, and I get what he's trying to say, but it's because I'm already a Christian and I understand uh, the dogma behind all of it. But it's a little scary, you know. Is that one of those... It's kind of scary to tell people... Fire and brimstone messages that gets preached on the pulpit sometimes? Not exactly. Like, I don't, I don't think of anything Sleeping Giant has ever talked about as being, like, condemning. Or, like, you know, you're a piece of shit if you don't accept Christ. I don't, I don't get that from them. But at the same time, if you're telling people, people to accept Jesus and accept the cross, but then turn around and say the cross is suicide. And again, like as a Christian, I totally understand where they're coming from. What they're basically saying is that when you take on Jesus's mantle and his message, that you are basically opening yourself up to scrutiny, which is what I'm doing. I'm scrutinizing what they're talking about. You know, uh, but like, 
it's definitely kind of an off-putting message in places. But that being said, I don't think Sleeping Giant would have it any other way. They are giving you everything they have. 110%. Exactly the way they want to give it and the way they want it received. It's interesting how many of these songs are memorable for as simple as they are because we are still droning on this album. We have our fast parts and our little punky parts and a couple speed riffing, but it's not technical like thrash metal. It's just heavy. Well, yeah, and they're definitely like more complex than they were on their first album. They've grown as a band. Like the songs make more sense than maybe they did on Dread Champions, which was just kind of like a collection, a mishmash of different styles. But I think here they really kind of hammered out like this is the Sleeping Giant sound. And I think it took them two albums to get there. And they're like, we are simple but effective. And that's where they, that's where they want to live is simple and effective. And I think they achieved that on this record. And with this record having, you know, more of a backing because they were on an imprint of Century Media called Ain't No Grave Records, they definitely probably reached a wider audience than they ever would have on Facedown, which is who put out their first two releases. Because Facedown Records was predominantly a Christian record label, so, you know, it definitely probably wasn't getting in the hands of people that maybe they had targeted to hear it. This was one of their best records and really opened people up to the idea of, okay, we've got this hyper-evangelical band, and they're here, and they're here to stay, at least for two more albums. I think overall this is my favorite album. They are a band that my favorite changes on the daily. But when I think of what Sleeping Giant sounds like and how to present it and how to show somebody what this band is about from start to finish, I think, give them Dread Champions. It sounds the best, the vocals are intense, the message is clear, and there's no confusion about what this band is trying to do or is doing. Yeah, there's no like there's no deception with this band whatsoever. Once again, Dan says it better. There is no deception. Zero deception. <laughs> like they're not like high because like you know how some Christian rock bands like will do their best to make you think that they're not that? Uh, that is definitely not Sleeping Giant. The message is always forefront, 100% of the time. But uh, Kingdom Days, man, you really can't go wrong with that record. Like, if I was recommending the band's discography, which I guess is kind of what we're doing, uh, I would say almost to start with Dread Champions and skip directly to Kingdom Days because that's the most similar experience that you're going to get from the band. Then there's 2014's Finnish People, which I truthfully thought was the last album this band was going to put out. Man, oh man, this was out of left field for me. This was completely lacking in all dynamic range. <laughs> We're back to turning it up as loud as we can. Yes. If the last record was a step back towards Dread Champion, this was them really trying to do Dread Champion. A lot of people complain that Tommy Green's vocals are not as heavy. Sleeping Giant has a different level of heavy for each album. Even Sons of Thunder, which we criticized for not being as heavy from a production standpoint, 
has its own level of heaviness. Well, you hear those songs live, and they blend perfectly fine with the rest of the back catalog. And I truthfully wonder if it was anything other than just, well, these are the vocals for these songs, guys. If you want an entire album of Tommy just screaming as hard as he can, you already have that, kinda, at Stred Champion. The majority of that album is that. So, from a hardcore standpoint, yeah, he's not growling, he's not being guttural, but he is still addressing you in a very intense fashion, which you are going to pay attention to. Well, and I think the thing that was kind of weird for people was that he absolutely doubled down on finished people with the shouted rhythmic delivery and the clean melodic singing. And like that was just bound to happen though. You know, like the Joker said, if you're good at something, never do it for free. You know, <laughs> and you know, Tommy Green, unlike a lot of hardcore screamers, has a very good pension, has a very good voice for melodic singing. So, like, why wouldn't they capitalize on that? You know, and this record, as far as the music goes, is just as heavy and just as intense as anything else that they had ever put out. The only thing that I can criticize on Finished People, really, is the fact that it is very samey sounding. Like, they definitely found more of a formula on this record that they hadn't really done before. They'd always kind of kind of always thrown stuff back and forth. And this is the first Sleeping Giant album that I feel like has a really consistent sound throughout. And that sound includes a lot of stuff that maybe tough guy hardcore fans aren't into, like melodic singing. But like this isn't like like they didn't turn around and start sounding like Lincoln Park or something like that. Like these songs are still heavy as piss. I mean, the breakdowns alone are worth the price of admission on this record. He's just yelling instead of growling. And that upsets people. Like, on a superficial level, that upsets people. And I'm not going to lie and say that I wasn't, like, a little disappointed not to hear more of the screams. But they kind of took care of that, too, and that this record has a lot of guest vocalists on it that do the screaming for him. And that sounds kind of cool. And to me, that's one of the things that differentiates this album the most from the others is that you know whenever you do have the more growled more guttural vocals they're done by different people and it sounds cool i always tell myself that sleeping giant is composing a sermon so every the songs are the same kinda but they're presented slightly differently from a vocal standpoint I could easily see the band and Tommy just looking at this album going, well, I already did that style of vocal, so let me just do this. And plus I got all these guest vocalists that are gonna do that thing, so why can't I just shout what I have to say? Because the message still gets through. All the information is still being presented to you. And if you wanna hear it done differently, go listen to the last record. Go listen to Dread Champion. So one of the weirder tracks on this album is the song Violence, which features a uh, slam poet called Levi the Poet. And this is like, this really stands out because they've never done anything like this before. 
like having a slam poet basically start off the song. I mean, it's not really even a song in that respect. But man, is it not like one of the most intense things I've ever heard. Like the delivery of this guy is on point. It matches the tone of the band. It matches everything that they've been trying to do. Everything I do. And man, it's it's definitely like if you listen to one song off of this record, listen to the title tracks to finish people. But if you listen to a second song on this record, listen to violence because it is one of the most intense, heart wrenching things that you're ever gonna hear on a hardcore record. And again, you might be put off by the Christian perspective, but I feel like this song out of almost everything you've done is like really worth it. It's the natural progression of what this band is doing to my ears. I don't have anything negative to say about it. If you find a negative with Sleeping Giant, pass the message, because let's be honest, that's what most people are going to focus on. It's that what you got on the first album is not what you get later. We mentioned a similar thing about Il Nino. A lot of people lock on to that first album, but I think Sleeping Giant is more what we got on Finnish People and Kingdom Days. Well, so we had to get here somehow. Well, yeah, I mean, we're four albums in and the band hasn't like majorly fucked up in any regard. You could listen to I Am and be like, I'm sorry, not I Well, yeah, you can listen to I Am, but you can listen to um, Finnish People and still be consistently getting the Sleeping Giant that you have always had. And they've just explored different aspects of that sound. I think it's interesting that Dread Champions was kind of a blueprint for everything that the band could do. Like they threw it all out there on the table. And then it seems like each subsequent album after that kind of explored those different elements that were revealed back then. So the band never really throws anything completely out of left field at you with the exception of maybe violence. But I mean, for the most part, You've had a really consistent sound throughout, and I don't think that the band has done anything ever that they didn't already pre-establish on that first record. So finished people shouldn't have been a surprise to anyone. Based on how it ends, with a solo spiritual, I legitimately thought this was their last album. I mentioned it earlier. I yeah. was surprised earlier this year that Sleeping Giant was releasing their final album. I told Dan, I thought Finnish People was their final album. Kind of like how A Plea for Purging put out The Life and Death of A Plea for Purging. Well, if that's not their last album, I don't know what is. An album called Finished People? If that's not their last album, I don't know what is. And what we got was I Am. I didn't know what I Am was going to sound like because all of my expectations for how wrong something could be have already been overcome by this band. Every album logically progressed after Sons of Thunder, so I was surprised that I Am sounded like Sleeping Giant. The only thing at this point that I can wonder about is how's Tommy going to sound on this because he sounds a little different on every single one. Some of that's age, some of that's dexterity, some of that's learning how to scream or not screaming the same way that you did 10 years ago. And we get a perfect, almost even balance of the presentation. 
everything is kind of set to the level that it needs to be for Sleeping Giant to sound like Sleeping Giant. This is the first time I feel like in the band's discography, though, that we got kind of a part two. This album, I Am, is very much Finnish People Part Two. It's almost like if Finnish People was the A side, this is the B side. And in most cases, that's not a bad thing. I think this record has everything on it that you would expect from Sleeping Giant up to this point. Guest vocalists, melodic singing, shouting, screaming, growling, heavy breakdowns. It's got it all. And I don't know if it's just because after a while that started to get old for me or if the band sound had kind of like been stretched a little too far. But I did not find the songs on I Am to be as compelling as everything else that they had done. I don't know which came first. Sleeping Giant deciding they needed to put out their last album or if they had this album and needed to put it out. Yeah, I mean, I think this sounds enough like Finnish people. I wouldn't be surprised if we found out that some of these songs were written in that same session. But, I mean, it is different enough. Like, I don't really know what to say about it other than, like, I listened to it. It's a Sleeping Giant album. If you like Sleeping Giant, you're going to like it. But I don't think it's their strongest effort by any means. I haven't spent as much time with it as I have the others, mainly because it's brand new and the others are not brand new. I think it's enough of Sleeping Giant doing what they do that eventually it will be the fifth part of the playlist. But like I said earlier, the other albums, for how great they are, have elements turned up or turned down in certain places and in the case of Sons of Thunder the intensity, the low end is kind of gone to make room for Tommy's vocals. I really feel like this album is just turn everything up to the same level and let it hit and I think Dread Champion executed that delivery much better turn everything up as loud as it can go and impact the audience. It's an easy listen for sure it's not a super long record, so it's easy to get through. You're not, like, dedicating your whole day to it or anything. But, like, I guess I just kind of thought that, like, because every Sleeping Giant record from Dread Champions all the way through Finished People, there seemed to be a progression in the songwriting, like a refinement. And so to hear a record that sounds basically just like the last one in a lot of respects... It was a little off-putting to me, but not enough for me to be like, oh, the band sucks. They messed up here. They definitely didn't. Like, if you want Sleeping Giant to be Sleeping Giant, they absolutely are that on this record. It's not Tommy Green and Friends. Correct. It's Sleeping Giant. Correct. Tommy Green and Friends is Death Star. We'll get to that another week. (laughs) Right. Well, it bugs me a little bit that, like, that this was it. But I think they ended on a high note. They kept their intensity up. And they, you know, delivered their message with a legitimacy that I think a lot of bands of their ilk really couldn't. And in that regard, they were completely successful as a band. Do you think they're trying to create something that a new generation of hardcore will pick up 
Well, I mean, let's hope so. I'd like to hear more hardcore records that aren't as atonal. Have we ever heard somebody do Sleeping Giant? Not really. Not successfully. Not before and not after. And the opening track of this is Preach Core Lives. I've never called it that myself, but it's your song, guys. It would be interesting to hear somebody else say, yeah, our primary influence was this band called Sleeping Giant, and we're basically just trying to do what they did. Because that's part of the problem, is a lot of bands have a hard time doing something that's solid and letting that be it. You eventually hit that moment where you're like, well, I could play a solo here, or the drummer could do a fill here, or the bass player could slap... No, they're much more focused than that. And that's one of the things I enjoy is just the straight-ahead nature of the way they write songs. They focus on being sincere. Not heavy, not guttural, not complicated or simple, but they want to be sincere. Yeah, and that shines through definitely in spades. I mean, I would say overall, if I want to morph this into final thoughts, is that like I think that Sleeping Giant was one of the most sincere bands to be playing this style. And that's not to say that the old school bands like Focus and Strongarm weren't sincere. They definitely were. But Sleeping Giant was able to craft this idea of like Christian themed hardcore music and make it into something that a lot of people could enjoy from a variety of different backgrounds. Like I said, I don't think that if you're like a diehard, you know, like non-religious person, that you're going to be able to appreciate or get on board with this. But I think that if you're open-minded with it and you listen to what the band has to say and give it a fair shot, I think you're going to find a lot to enjoy with at least the passion. If you take anything away from it at all, you're going to take away the fact that these guys are really passionate about what they had to talk about and they were uncompromising in its presentation. I think Sleeping Giant will be missed in the active hardcore metal scene. I don't think it matters that they were a Christian band or that they were presenting a message about Christianity. They are a band that could and should be recognized for being sincere. I would be curious to meet that person that is frowned on, scrutinized, or otherwise criticized for listening to that garbage or that noise. If that person put on Sleeping Giant, I would want to meet the person that criticizes it. And I don't think you can criticize Sleeping Giant for any other reason than their message. And I wonder why those people that focus on the message so much and want to sit there and shit talk it, don't even listen to the lyrics of the songs that they do like. Because how many people can tell me what Inner Sandman is about? Or what Walk is actually about? They just hear a song and they say, yeah, I like that. Well, if that's the ears you're listening with, you should be listening to Sleeping Giant. You will have too much fun What's your album of the week, Dan? This one's a little different for me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I just, uh, 
saw a really awesome episode of DC's Legend of Tomorrow. Oh, God, no. <laughs> you didn't. And, uh, <laughs> anybody that knows what I'm about to say is going to know what scene I'm talking about. Oh, man. And the, so my album of the week is Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison <laughs> from 1997. Don't spoil it, man. Just everybody should be watching the DC shows on CW. <laughs> if anything, Flash is the best. If anything, just just YouTube Mark Morrison, Return of the Mac, and that song is. I don't care how fucking metal you think you are, that song kicks ass, and you can't change my mind. Keeping with our current theme of sincere hardcore bands that kick your ass as much as they kick mine you need to listen to Dread Champion of the Last Days by Sleeping Giant get familiar with this band I miss them already and they're not even really gone yet they will be soon but you know I still miss them I feel like I won't ever get to see them again I feel that way about Plea for Purging too oh Plea for Purging come back Andy Adkins so great you guys could start a mashup band called A Plea for Sleeping Giant. I would go to that show. If you're listening to this episode the day it comes out, that means that Joe and I have recently returned from the Nashville Rock and Pot Expo. And even though we haven't gone there yet, I can only imagine that it was an amazing time. Roach Coach was there. Joshua Toomey was there. Toby Wright was there. And I can only imagine that we have, we are going to have the best time possible. And we will have updates for you very soon concerning that event. I want to give a quick shout out to all of our patrons. Thank you very much for helping us make this podcast every single week. Joy Riemann had a comment on one of our Patreon reviews, Stranger Fruit by Zeal and Ardor. You can listen to that for $1 a month. Real excited to give this one a listen. One of the more intriguing releases for me this year. Also, weekly reminder that Gate Creepers, Sonoran Deprecation is the right one to fuck with. Well then, (laughs) challenge accepted. I will go and fuck with that. And on that note, this has been episode 79 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Give me your money. 